All right, Wills, this is season three, and I want to start off with a very important question. Okay, what's up? How many pull-ups do you think you could do? Oh, gosh. Um, well, how much time do I have? Oh, that's a good question. Let's just say you had to like, rattle a bunch off. How, how, long, how many could you do before you failed? Uh, I would say probably at least like 75, 80. <laughs> You're so full of it. What, like 10? Yeah, maybe 10. Okay. So have you ever watched the show American Ninja Warrior? Yeah, yeah, I have. Do you think you could do that obstacle course? Um, there are parts of it where I think there's no, this guy has no business being on this course when there's other ones. I'm like, there's no way I could get over that thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what's awesome about today's episode to kick off season three is we get to interview a ninja, Karen Sabo, a a local American ninja warrior. It's so amazing. Now here's the big question. If you were taking Karen on mano e mano, or mano e gloves off. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think would would win? Well, I think for reasons that you're about to learn about in this episode, um, she would absolutely decimate me. Oh yeah, she'd totally crush you. But that's okay. Yeah. Because I podcast and she does American Ninja Warrior. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. So, guys, we're really excited. This is season three, as Justin said. This is our twelfth episode that we've ever recorded. And you know what I'm excited about? What I think more than just our moms listen to our podcast. Who would have thought? Uh, I not me. Yeah. It's so good. You know, this episode is going to be filled with an amazing guest. Um, Karen's a, a wonderful person. We can't wait for you to meet her. And we also have a number of exciting um, guests that are also going to be joining us through the rest of season three, right? Yeah, we have uh, many of those episodes already recorded. We're busy um, editing them and we have many more yet scheduled. So uh, this season, you know, like we did last year, we committed to more episodes than the year before. And this year we're hoping to get, you know, at least one a month. Um, So please stick with us and uh, enjoy today's show. Karen's early life was fairly unremarkable, where she spent her time hanging out with friends in a small Midwestern town and playing a couple different sports as much as she could. Grew up in Wheaton, okay. which is a theme here at Thomas. Yeah. Um, I'm the only South Sider. Everybody else here seems to be on North, north side of, of Wheaton. Graduated from Wheaton Warnville South in 1995. Ran cross country, played soccer. Was recruited for both in college, but Soccer was, was more my passion. Yeah. You know, I'm more uh, Coach Stacy, who I my cross country coach from high school. I still keep in touch with. We'll we'll uh, we'll get a chuckle when I say this, but he knew that I was doing cross country to stay in shape for soccer. Yeah. Um, sorry, Coach. I love you though. Um, that's right. A lot of I mean, that's pretty true yeah. most of the ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, but had had a great deal of success with cross country in high school and had a, had a great time. And you know, as a kid, you don't appreciate running um like you do as an adult um but we we managed to have one heck of a time um as painful as cross country could be yeah our practices i mean we were we had a blast so i mean i'm sure people do grow up dreaming of being a famous long distance runner like the olympics or something yeah but maybe because i'm a team sport guy i would think that most people be like i want to you know play division one soccer or olympics or world cup or whatever i guess yeah Yeah. um so i played at arizona state um go sun devils go sun devils that's right so why asu uh of the of the schools that looked at you why did you pick asu you know i wanted something different and i knew that i was going to leave illinois um 
to go to school. And I don't know, as a, as a high school kid, I had in my head, like, I need to go eight states away from Illinois. Like, and how I picked up that number is arbitrary. There, there really was no rationale. But, no, I figured that was the time of your life to really get out and try something different. Will, so you and I were Division three athletes. Yeah. Your career was much more successful than mine since I really just had, like, two practices. <laughs> <laughs> but... Think about Division Three versus Division One. Yeah, the difference is huge. Yeah, it's like galaxies apart. And so Karen, she began to blossom as an athlete at ASU, but she had to learn how to balance academics and her athletic career. And that is not easy. So did you know any of the other athletes in, on any of the other teams? I did. Um, what was kind of great about ASU is it's such a big school, right? Like going to a university that's the size of your hometown can be a little, can be <laughs> yeah, a little daunting. Yeah. Um, but as an athlete, they um, they organize it in a way that you were pretty much clustered with other athletes in your major. So um, like Pat Tillman, and I got to know him pretty well um, because we were both marketing majors. So we had a lot of our classes together, did group projects together. For those of you who may not know, Pat Tillman is somewhat of a legend in the football and military circles. I had the pleasure of living in Tempe when he was playing, and he was an absolute animal on the field. Following an incredible, successful career at ASU, and then the Cardinals. And at free safety from Arizona State University, number 40, Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman's life took an unexpected turn. Following the September 11 terrorist attacks, Pat turned down a lucrative NFL contract to serve as an Army Ranger when he was inspired to serve his country. Pat was killed in a friendly fire altercation in 2004. So just as a, a fan mm-hmm. and a football fan sure. and someone who loved Pat Tillman when he was at mm-hmm. ASU, was he as intense outside of the arena as he was? Yes, yeah, and it's 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 interesting. I, I can think back to... Um, one of our marketing classes, actually. It was in a big auditorium. Um, it was like a 400-person class, and he'd always sit in the front row, and he just always had this stern stare on his face. Um, and at one point, the professor paused and was like, Pat, why do you look like you're just going to run up here and choke me? And he's like, oh, I'm, just, I'm just concentrating, man. Like, <laughs> just focused. So he just had that... That just intense, like furled brow, um, but he wasn't—he wasn't as intimidating mm. as as he looked. Uh, shortly after Pat was killed, his family, um, his brother-in-law, who was married to his widow Marie's sister, um, and his widow Marie, they started the Pat Tillman Foundation. Mm. Um, started there in Tempe. Um, it grew to be this incredible foundation. Um, at the onset, you know, checks are pouring in, and they're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do with this with this money? Um, and it has now turned into this just incredible uh, foundation that supports veterans, their spouses, um, to help them get uh, further their education or go to college for the first time or you know a lot of them are going on for advanced degrees but um putting that degree to use to further uh past legacy through leadership and service so um i've gotten involved the foundation is actually now based here in chicago um i'm a junior board member 
oh, wow. um, of that foundation, and it's it's just been an incredible experience just to get to know some of the military scholars. Um, right. And you you spend five minutes with any one of them, and you feel like you've done nothing significant <laughs> with your life. Um, it's something that they've all <laughs> they've come to call the shame spiral. Because <laughs> you just look at you like I've got yeah. Give me an ex- give me an example. I've done nothing. Like if someone you've talked to and you're like, oh, I'm I'm sliding down the shame spiral. At yeah. First. So uh, there's one guy. His name's Edward Ward. Um, we've become pretty good friends um, and become good friends with him and his wife Manda. They live in Florida, um, and so he was. In Ed, if Ed ever listens to this, I may mess it up. But he was a, a fighter pilot okay. and. Um, I'm probably going to miss some details and he ended up um, on one of his last flights before getting his certification or final certification um, had an injury, brain injury and so he was told he was never going to be able to fly again Um, was I think close near near death Hmm. Um, and he had a twin brother and his twin brother was um, in the process of getting his um PhD for to be a high doctor and so um, Ed was a little depressed that you know his lifelong dream he's now not gonna be able to fulfill now what do I do um, and so he was out uh, celebrating with his brother um, his brother passing his his medical exams and so Ed was what well, Ed was a driver um, and on their way home that night they got hit by a drunk driver mm-hmm. And Ed was thrown from the car. Um, the car was on fire. He went in to save his brother, and the car exploded. So, wow. lost his twin brother. And so then he was really at a loss. And he was talking to his grandfather. And, uh, you know, his, his grandfather's like, you need to go finish what, what Gene started. So, uh, with the help of the Tillman, Tillman Military Scholars, uh, or the Tillman Military, uh, Pat Tillman Foundation, he is now a military scholar, and with that scholarship, he is now becoming an eye doctor. As a Division I athlete, Karen learned quickly the demands of balancing schoolwork and her athletic career. And like many who gravitate towards high-pressure environments, the stress was a strong motivator to perform. I knew I had X number of hours a day to study. So um, our schedule is very regimented in that we had to have all our classes done by a certain time of day because then we needed to be in the training room, then out of practice, then weight room, then dinner, then study hall. Um, and so then there's still you know a couple hours in the evening. The study hall, I think, went until like 10.30. It was a job. Um, you know, I know it's in, I, there's been plenty of arguments and debates that you know, college athletes should get paid. I'm not in the camp that they should. I mean, you are there to get an education, is my belief. Um, I don't care where you play football. I don't care how good of a football player you are. Your job is there to be a student. Sure. Um, but don't get me wrong. It is it is a, a full-time job being a student athlete. Yeah. So what position did you play? Forward. Forward, all right. So. Tell me about your career at ASU. Um, were you able to play right away, or did you have to earn uh, your stripes? No, or? soccer. So the funny thing is, I um, was there playing soccer, and then ended up playing ice hockey. What? Which I ended up having a lot. The more, irony, right? Yeah. 
I had so much more fun playing <coughs> ice hockey. So how many? How long did you play soccer there? Um, I was there to for the first two years. Okay. And then um, and then switched to ice hockey. Wow. And that was a lot more fun. All right. So you you go to ASU. You play soccer. You switch to ice hockey, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. I did not know that about you. Yeah. That's hung out at Alice Cooperstown. Did you really? Yeah. Nice. So I worked for the Coyotes after I graduated, because I think every college athlete thinks they want to work, work in, in professional sports. So yeah. especially if you're a marketing major, you yeah. want to do sports marketing. Yeah. 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 So um, worked for the Coyotes, and we did a lot because that's when they were still playing at America West. Yeah, I played baseball. Never played softball. I played baseball with the boys up until high school. Um, and then that's when I started playing soccer year-round. Because hmm. um, obviously I was going to go uh, a little further with soccer than I would with baseball. And um, my hitting really sucked. I'm an offensive player in every other sport but baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little slow coming around on that pitch. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I and so I you know, was always forced to have to elevate my game to play with the guys. Um, and so there's always that drive, there's always that internal competition with them, but with myself too, because I never want to be just average or mediocre. I always want to take it the next step. Were your parents kind of um, more supportive or push you along a little bit? My parents were incredibly supportive um, and still are. Um, you know, they had, uh, my brother and I, they had us both in, um, swimming lessons at the Y when we were six months old. Like yeah. The old school kind where they, you know, your parents are in the water with you and they dunk you. And, and, uh, I thought old just, school is they just throw you in. Yeah. yeah. Great, hope yeah. for the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, they started us really early in swimming lessons. I did gymnastics. Um, you know, I was a three, four, five-year-old, but that quickly ended because I refused to wear leotards. And then also <laughs> when you finish, you're supposed to do the big, you know, ta-da at the end. And, I would just walk off and refuse, <laughs> <laughs> refuse to do any of that. My brother and I were both adopted at birth, okay. um, different biological parents. Um, was it an open adoption or closed adoption? Or um, I have no idea who my okay. birth parents are. I have okay. no desire to know who they are. Okay. Um, and you know, we were both raised the exact same way, both given the same amazing opportunities and circumstances and I went down one path he went down another Justin you've known Karen for a little while now what were your first impressions of her yeah it's a great question I think before I knew anything about her being a ninja or you know a, a incredible athlete I knew that she was passionate for veterans supporting veterans and getting the word out to help others you know honor those who serve us Veterans are just an, an act of military. Um, amazing people for going and doing what they do uh, to give us our freedoms on a da- daily basis. Um, really good friend of mine from growing up. Um, he was a West Point guy. Um, got to know a couple of his friends, and then obviously Pat. So um, you know, it's just it's just something that I was it just came natural to be mm-hmm. supportive of was Pat one of the catalysts you think that kind of propelled that even more or is that was yeah, yeah I would yeah I think so I think that's fair to say yeah I think that's fair to say 
Um, and so stumbled across um, RWB, and I, I can't remember. Actually, I think it was through, I'm a huge fan of OER band. Yeah. Um, and I think it, they tweeted something about a run with Team RWB here in Chicago, 4th of July. Oh, and yeah. And they had our gear on, and they had a, they let that, us have a booth at their concert? Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was And that was our first, like, official run here in Chicago. Oh, wow. And so I went out to that, and that's where I met Sarah and Sarah Dean mm-hmm. um, and Trip Adams. Um, and that was it. I was hooked. And so the three of us kind of got Chicago up and running for Team RWB, and... Um, just made some incredible lifelong friends. As luck would have it, Karen stumbled onto the American Ninja Warrior concept following a lull in her traditional training. Summer of 2014, um, I had been having this nagging hip injury and running was just not doing me any favors. So I was taking a little bit of time off of running and which was kind of a bummer because that's where like we were really in the thick of it with RWB and our weekly runs and Mike was doing his crazy 100 miles in four days and on a whim did the 25 with him here in Chicago without even thinking twice about it and um (laughs) that hurt yeah it hurt but it was man it was fun that was like one of the most memorable days Hmm. we had we had a freaking ball out there running um and yeah my hip just wasn't wasn't feeling it and uh, needed to take some time off. And then a friend of mine, uh, my friend Patricia out in, in Georgia, always been a huge supporter of mine, and she sent me this link to uh, actually Casey Cantanzaro's incredible run, um, the city finals in 2014. She's like, why aren't you doing this? And she's like, this looks like it'd be right up your alley. I had never heard of the show, never seen the show at that Come point. Come on. No. And that's when it was still just kind of on the cusp. Like, Casey yeah. was the one that kind of just broke through the ceiling up, made yeah. it, like, more of a household name. And so, um, one of my dear friends, Josh Zidimer, um, he's been my trainer for, gosh, since probably 2006 or seven. Um, he lives in New York. And so he sends me my workouts three times a week, and um, I forwarded him the link. I'm like, "This is what we're doing." It was it was just the right it was the right time to start, you know, walking away from from soccer. And so I put all my efforts into training for this. And I still at that point hadn't found a ninja gym. I hadn't trained on any obstacles. I had no idea what I. Was so doing. what's the process? So let's let's pause here. So the process was you click on the link and you fill out so yeah we there is um i went to the website and just i just re, you know said i was interested and then they emailed me i don't know like that november and then sent me an application and then so they really wanted i know they wanted to get girls for season seven just after coming off of casey's major year um so one of the casting guys called me and because they can like once you start the application they can tell or once you've log, like logged in or created or whatever they can see that you've started and he called and he's like hey uh, I just want to make sure you're still interested we haven't you know it doesn't look like you've started your application yet and I had just come back from Hawaii and 
I was getting there. I'm, I'm kind of, I need that pressure the last minute. Yeah. yeah. So, but you have to do a video too. You have to submit um, a video and then it's a very lengthy application process. It's, gosh, 40, 50 essays all about yourself, which is just, I don't Jeez. enjoy speaking or writing about myself. It's not, I don't know, not comfortable, but, um, so it was, it was a very long process and so submitted it, but you know, looking at everybody else that's been on the show and submitted, I'm like, there's no chance. And then I got a call in March um, saying, hey, you've been selected. You're going to Kansas City in three weeks to film. And I'm like, shit. Um, now I need to figure out how to do this. And he's off. He's on here, Matt. Okay, so hold on. So from the time, so November, you, you submit your application I submitted in it in, in January. Okay, so January. Mm-hmm. So you find out in March. Had you been training? I mean, just doing my regular you, workouts. Oh, so you weren't training particularly for the show? No, because like. I hadn't. I still hadn't found a ninja gym. I didn't know Chicago Ninja Academy at that point. Um, didn't know anybody else doing the sport in locally in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but I started working with a climbing coach um, shortly af- after I submitted and just worked with a bouldering coach once a week for three months, um, which helped immensely. Um, but still, when I stepped on the stage at 4.45 in the morning, I'd never done an obstacle, and... Okay, hold on a second. So tell, so, so, hold on. So, hold on. So tell me what this is like. So you, you fly to Kansas City, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And have, what do they give you at this point? Do you do you have any, like, a welcome packet? Do you have someone so that's meeting there's, you there? So there's a flurry of emails that you get beforehand and a few phone calls. Um, what was your biggest question? Do you remember back then? No. Um, I think question. Uh, what was my question? Like where to where where do we park? Because okay. <laughs> like so like minor details like that were left out because they had, you know they they want you there. So you film on Friday and Saturday. They film the city qualifiers on Friday night, city finals on Saturday night. But they want you there Thursday to do B roll and hero shots and all that yeah. stuff. Um, they don't select everybody for that I think they select maybe 60 or 80 people of the 120 to do that and so I was one that they asked to do that so I needed to be there for b-roll and all that um in Kansas City the way that it was set up like we were able to sit out there's a mound of berm that we were able to sit on and kind of see the course and watch the course testers because they have course testers testing it out for the few days prior to shooting um to make sure it's not too hard not too easy and so would you watch that to try to get hints on yeah, how to get through it? Yeah, because you're okay. not, once you once you get there, like, you are not, you don't get to practice. Like, what you see on TV, that's your one shot. Um, no do-overs. No, no trial runs. So no you just, trial runs. Okay. And do you guys, it always seems like the ninjas are talking on the sideline. Like, yes. Do you guys share, like, yes. hey, I fell on this one, watch Everybody, out for this. Everybody, yeah. And that's what I learned so quickly about um, and what got me so hooked um, into this sport, like being there in Kansas City, like they have you're in the ninja pit for hours, so you have to be there. There's two filming times. Uh, there's the early, there's the early one, which is they say eight o'clock and then ten o'clock. But you have to like you're there from six o'clock until it's all, and you film overnight. So you're in this the ninja pit for. Over, you know, overnight, and you're just becoming fast friends with everybody. Um, I mean, 
once you've done it for a year or two, like, you you know a lot of the people. But, you know, as a rookie that year, like, I went in not knowing anybody, but came out with some of the best friends, lifelong friends. So how do you decide, like, what to wear, and, and do they give you any of that? So they, they want you to wear something that's going to look good on TV, bright colors. They say, you know, try not to wear, they say don't wear white. Um, so wear bright colors, nothing with logos. Um, there can be logos on your shoes, but like I was gonna wear an RWB shirt, I couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't do that, um, unless it's a logo that you've created yourself. Um, and then this year they even said no hashtags. That's funny. Shirt, so yeah. um, times have changed. Yeah. So it's and then this year too they they wouldn't they made it so you couldn't see contestants couldn't see the course um, beforehand. Like when we were in Kansas City watching testers. Mm-hmm. And we, there wasn't much of that this year. Wow. Okay, so you get there, you so find you a place get, to park, you do your B-roll on Thursday, and so yeah. what, they're just, is that where they ask you your story and mm-hmm. you kind of tell them some of yep. it so they can put a little montage together? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. And so are you nervous yet? Um, you know, I, I kept waiting for the nerves to kick in. And I'm like, okay, once I get there, I'll start getting nervous. And so doing, doing the the b-roll like the interview no i wasn't nervous but i didn't i feel like the interview didn't go well um this is a lot more comfortable like our conversation now is a lot more comfortable they're, yeah they're, well, it's always weird to be in front of a camera yeah and i don't know I mean, what I, it is not that I would like know, actually, this would be yeah. like this format's so much more comfortable yeah. i don't know what it is about that stupid camera there because it's no different than just having a yeah. conversation well similar to our podcast where millions of people will listen to this <laughs> um you know, I'm sure there's that always in the back of your head, no, whether it's I, consciously no, or subconsciously. No, not even. No, I wasn't even, not even thinking that. All I could think of though was that Seinfeld episode. Which one? It's hot under these lights, eh, Seinfeld? <laughs> it's pretty hot under these lights, eh, huh, Seinfeld? Pretty hot. Actually, I'm quite comfortable. <laughs> Scorching. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so you're in the ninja pit, mm-hmm. and then do, do they kind of say, "Hey, you're on deck, Sabo"? So it's a whole, work? it's a whole hurry up and wait process the whole evening and overnight. And, and again, not having anybody to talk to about this going into it, not knowing what to expect, not knowing what to bring. Um, I mean, I was out there for ten hours, and I mean, my my dad went and got some snacks for me because it was. It was a long night. Yeah. And, you know, veterans, they're there with in their chairs. They got sleeping bags. Like, they're comfortable. Um, but your adrenaline is just firing. And so everybody's talking, you know, strategizing. Because the second obstacle, one that I fell on, that was the, a new one that season. Um, so for hours. Which one was it? Uh, the Big Dipper. Okay. So you grab the bar, go down, launch. Oh, yeah. Brooke actually... Um, her boys are huge Ninja Warrior fans, so they, bless their hearts, drove out to Kansas City. Drove 10 hours, got there two hours before, like, I don't know, they got there really late, 10, like 10 o'clock, and then I didn't run until 4.45 in the morning. Wow. So kept the boy, like, took the boys to the car to sleep for an hour, and then we thought I was going to go, and so huge fiasco them trying to run back, and they were there through the whole night and had the best time. And it was amazing that they were there. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So they finally call your name. Yeah. Right. So what's that process? So. So they call your yeah. You know, um, I 
Yeah, they start. They they start. I think they called like five names, to like so you 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 know that you're oh you're given a number. I should say that you're given a number. Like when you go and sign in um, at your call time, you're given a number. But none of us know how they select the numbers. So um, you're given your run order, and then throughout the night they'll call you know take the next five, and then the next they take you from the ninja pit, and then you go behind where the set starts and then you're back there for another half hour um and then once they have you get on stage like there's all these different checkpoints so you're they have like i think it was like three lines like they have you stand here and they're like wait and then they advance you to this spot and then they hold you again they're like okay run up the stairs i would be exhausted by this point this point oh and and mind you it was 4 45 in the morning yeah like, so you're not sleeping, you're not on your, like, yeah. It, and so it's like knowing, I know so much more now than I did going into that. So, um, and what's also interesting too is they pipe in so much of the music or the sounds and the crowds. And yeah. so, like, you don't hear the beeps, the beeps that you hear at the beginning of each run, they don't have that when you're there. And the buzzer, then they don't have, they have the smoke, but they don't have the buzzer. Huh. Um, but they have a gong. They hit a gong every time somebody's about ready to go, so the audience knows that somebody's about ready to start. So focus and look like you're mm-hmm. engaged. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're walking. Tell me if you can't try to remember. So you're walking up on the steps. Mm-hmm. About ready to go. Point, what I'm are like, you thinking? I'm like, I should like this is when my nerves should be kicking in. I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be at that point. And I think at that point I'm like, okay, I'm just I'm ready just to do this. So I've been out here for ten yeah. hours, and I felt bad because. My dad's fallen asleep, and he's been out there just as long as I have. Brooks there with the kids, and yeah. you know, um, and so all I kept saying, like, as a soccer player, especially, like, you cannot go out on this first obstacle, just, <laughs> like the agility one. Like, yeah. as a soccer player, that's where I should be the and most comfortable. That's when you, you right? jump on the on the, the quintuple angle. steps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I took I took my time getting through those um, again because I had never been on anything like that. Yeah. Um, and we have them in the gym now. I just fly through them. Yeah. But so yeah, it was it was great. But what's so amazing about this community of athletes is everyone is so fired up to see you do well. They want to see you do your best. They're cheering for you every step of the way, and they're just as vested in it as you are. And um, you know, even though you're technically competing against them, it's more like you're competing against the course. But everybody, everybody's on your on your side and wants to see you do well. That's cool. Which is awesome. So you said in that run you got to the second obstacle and then it you fell? I just failed. Yeah. And I, like, I always, I said going into it too, I'm like, if you're going to fail, fail big. I couldn't even, I was, it just happened so fast I couldn't even make it good. <laughs> it was that bad. So I, I always think like I, I'd come out of the water so bummed out. Like, how did you feel? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's probably a good thing that the camera, I don't think the camera was on. It didn't matter. My run wasn't wasn't aired, which is good. Um, but I, I, I swore <laughs> <laughs> and slapped the water. Yeah. So that was two years, two seasons ago? That was ago? season seven, yeah. Okay. Season so um, do you want to get on the show again? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I think so. No, I do. I do. Yeah. How does that? I do want to yeah. get on. Um, because I think it... The video you have that I'd love to put in the show notes that I think mm-hmm. is on Vimeo, was that your interview that for the for following season? season? Okay. The one with my brother? Yeah. 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 That was season eight. Okay. What do you see kind of 
developing in the sport? Like, what do you foresee, like, new obstacles that they may be looking into, anything like that? Oh, yeah. They are always looking to see how far they can push it. Yeah. I don't know if you watched this season. It did. It um, felt like there was a few that were just unfair. It was insane. <laughs> They're constantly building new obstacles. You're going to see new obstacles every season. Um, you know, even this year they changed up the quintuple steps. They made them the ascent, those ascending steps to the rope ladder, to the to the rope. Um, Do you guys hear any of this? Like, is there like a, I know this sounds we stupid, try. is there like an American Ninja <laughs> newsletter that goes out to There's all past... There's not a newsletter, but... Past, but, but yeah. They're like, we try, we try. What's your training process like now? So now it's, it's, it's a little different story. So I, um, last year I was coaching or coaching, I was training out in Carroll stream, um, at a place called Chicago Ninja Academy. Um, I train with, uh, Ethan Swanson, um, Mm -hmm. Dan Palizzi and Brandon Mears, the power, Towers of Power. And these are all, yeah, these They're are all, all well-known ninjas. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Michael Salenzi and Tyler Yamaguchi. Um, Let me just stop you really quick now. Mm-hmm. So for those who aren't familiar with the American ninja culture, <laughs> yes. right? So now there are ninja gyms. Yes. That uh, it seems like a lot of um, past participants have helped start. But absolutely. there's also many that probably have never participated yep. who just are making it. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And so... Um, you know, I was approached by a guy here in Chicago uh, about a year ago. Um, wanted to open a kids' gym because kids, as you know, love it. Yeah. <laughs> they cannot yeah. get enough of this. And like to go back to Brooke, I mean, her kids are scaling the walls in her house, like I'm sure many other kids across the country. And so uh, Jeff Pijek, who is him and his wife Jackie, the owners of junior ninja warriors here in chicago uh he reached out to me and um said he wanted to start a a gym for kids they they um their daughters go to birthday parties and gymnastics and the parties at the at the trampoline gyms and he's like we need something else and so um he has done a phenomenal job like he has spared no expense everything is top notch um and so we opened in september and I got help get Ethan involved at the last minute. He um, quit his job and is now at the gym full time as wow. our course operations director. And, um, and so him and I put together the curriculum. He's doing actually more of that now. Um, and then I'm just coaching on Mondays and Thursday nights, which is so much fun. And it's, yeah. it's yeah. cool to see it's the kids so just fun. fired up and um, you know, not having kids of my own. It's a great. It's it's fun to see them. Yeah you know challenge themselves and now you're not gonna hurt my feelings but who do you think would uh do better on a course wills or i me (laughs) (laughs) that's a great answer yeah for sure um well so that's cool so you're so this whole adventure has become a part of your life now yeah absolutely this it's um so much of it has been and it's kind of crazy to see how this i guess journey has kind of evolved and you know, all from my friends sending me this video, and it's like this has now become. You know, I I'm here at my job. I love my job, but this is like my my passion outside of yeah. outside of work. And um, you know, Ethan and I we train together um, Tuesday nights usually. Uh, yeah, I, was, I think then, Wills is a little too like. So what is what's your regimen now? Like 
if you were to amortize the whole year, uh-huh. do you train ninja style like a couple hours a week and teach, or how yeah. does that work? So, I mean, your body's going to break down if you train ninja 100% of the time, right? And especially me, like, I'm one of the older ones. I'm uh, 39, I'm turning 40 next year. And, um, you know, Ethan is, I think he's 26. Dan and Brandon are, are mid 30s. So, and we try and do like all of us together on Sunday nights um, at Junior Ninjas because we it's I mean it's a kids gym but we can we can make it plenty hard enough for yeah. for us um, and then Ethan and I usually stay and train on Tuesday nights um, and then I still I you know I still do your traditional gym workouts high intensity and interval stuff and um, need to start getting some more cardio back in there but as soon as as soon as I hit that submit button that mentally I know like okay it's go time, it's, it's go time. yeah because then you time. theoretically have three months right right yeah my name is Karen Sabo and I'm ready for redemption on season eight of American Ninja Warrior I think you're alluding to it earlier but you know um, you, you talked about it in your video that your, your brother ended up passing away and was that in between the two seasons yes that okay. was um august of 15 so uh died of a heroin overdose um august 14th of 2015 so that was um yeah rocked our worlds yeah did, did he live in illinois or? he was in wheaton okay he was in wheaton okay yeah. i'm so sorry thank you yeah thank you yeah well for those um listening uh Watch the video; it's really powerful, and you'll see. Um, Sable, you're pretty much a badass. I mean, I can I can't even do a pull up, and um, and I of course everyone who watches the show thinks they could do the show. And it's the people that are really good make it look so easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, okay, the next season that's coming up, season ten. Season nine. Season nine. Season okay. nine. Uh, Have you started that process casting, already? Casting uh, process for season nine is underway. We need to have everything in by January 2nd. Um, How are we doing? Because the deadline's coming up. Deadline is coming up. My uh, my essays are done. Just waiting on the video, um, which we should have by the end of this week. Awesome. So, Karen's application is in, uh, and we're eagerly waiting to hear back, right? Yeah, and you know, whether or not she makes the next season of American Ninja Warrior... It doesn't really matter. Karen is just such a a badass lady, and she is um, currently going around the country and uh, spending a lot of time in ninja gyms in Chicago, helping kids and others, you know, kind of pursue a healthy, um, challenging, fun lifestyle. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's always a pleasure, Karen, and we look forward to seeing you potentially on the screen, putting the rest of us to shame. This episode was sponsored by Ink Dot allowing you to create custom prints on wood, metal, or choose from a variety of stunning materials. Their easy-to-use online tool lets you choose photos from your phone, Instagram, or Facebook for one-of-a-kind gifts. Did you mess up Valentine's Day this year? Inkdot has your back. Inkdot, a better way to print. Check out Inkdot at inkdot.com. We also want to thank our audio engineer, Steve Wick. You know, Wills, Steve is like accomplishing that final obstacle. The warp wall? The warp wall. The warp wall. Thank you, Steve. I choose not to run. (laughs) We also want to thank Sleepy at Last for providing the soundtrack for Design Of. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Design Of Podcast. And check out our website, designofpodcast.com. Guys, 
Justin, can I finish the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for being with us on season three. All right, Justin, now you can go. I was just going to say, well done, Wills. Thanks. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next episode.